Welcome to the Moonshots Podcast. It's episode 176. I'm your co-host, Mike Parsons, and as always, I'm joined by the creative guru himself, Mr. Mark Pearson-Freeland. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Mike, and good morning, listeners. Yes, you're right, Mike. It's all about creativity today, isn't it, as we spark up a brand new series on the Moonshot Show. Can you believe it? A whole new series dedicated to creativity, which is quite the mystery for most of us, isn't it, Mark? Yeah, I I think mystery is actually a good word to describe creativity. I, for one, certainly have a point of view or an idea or a, a fascination, I guess, with the concept of creativity. It can come in a number of different ways. I think there's a, almost a barrier. I suppose, that sometimes exists around creativity because some of us think that we are or maybe aren't creative and therefore it can feel a little bit like a closed club almost. And what Mm. I'm interested is you and I and our listeners, we've dug into creativity before on the Moonshot Show. We're now into a brand new series. What keeps on coming up in in my eyes when we dig into these type of uh, entrepreneurs and thinkers is actually how accessible creativity can be when you put in the right maybe habits or frameworks or right ways of thinking around the concept of creativity. What do you think of creativity uh, when we start discussing it? What comes to your mind? Well, I think if we're talking about accessibility and creativity, none are greater than the star of this show, right? Yeah, that's right, Mike. Today, listeners, we are digging into perhaps one of the most creative people that we can imagine when we're looking at what film to watch or what stories to tell our children. It's certainly been part of my life ever since growing up. And he is the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Walt Disney. And Mike, I mean, this is this is a bit of a powerhouse individual <laughs> that we're digging into, isn't it? It is. I mean, what a legacy to think that you've got the films, you've got the parks and now and now you've got Disney Plus like this brand and this legacy continues and what is so perfect is that if you go back into 1919 Walt Disney was actually fired from the Kansas City Star and um, when he was fired from the newspaper he was fired quote unquote for lacked imagination and had no good ideas. <laughs> this is very moonshots, the resilience to keep going. We love this. And when I say he kept going, he went on to win as a brand and as a company over 26 Oscars. So if you want to talk about shooting for the moon and not giving up when things get tough, Walt Disney is the man. When you talk about creative legacy, Walt Disney is the man. And the crazy thing is he actually had a process and a method that we can all adopt as well. I mean, how exciting is that, Mark? Well, exactly. I mean, you and I, we could spend the next hour, Mike, talking about our favorite Disney films, couldn't we? Because there are just so many. I mean, 26, more than 26 Academy Awards. Wow, we. But you're right. 
the focus of today is really going to be about finding the, let's say, the secrets or the methods that I think we can all learn from and be inspired by in order to perhaps unlock or become just that little bit more creative in the work that we go out and do, no matter what industry it might be in. So, I mean, what the perfect way to start a brand new series, Mike? It really, it really is. And, you know, later in the series, we're going to have the likes of Jim Carrey and Sir Ken Robinson, which is like fantastic. But, but Mark, how good is it that uh, we can start the show um, with hearing from the man himself? And, you know, for a guy who, uh, you know, he was around a long time ago, but some of his practices are some of the cutting edge practices we use now in Lean Startup or Scrum and Agile. It's crazy to think that we can go and listen to the man, you know, pioneering decades before any of us were thinking about Lean Startup, right? Yeah, that's right. And it's, it is the perfect way to begin not only today's show on Walt Disney, but also our brand new series on creativity by hearing from the man himself, Mr. Walt Disney, really breaking down the behind the scenes thinking and elements and approaches to perhaps some of the greatest films. And actually, you're right, Mark, it all starts with scaling as well as experimentation. The old saying, these are the things that dreams are made of might well apply to the scale models and the drawings and the blueprints. <laughs> At least when we dream up new ideas for Disneyland, they first take shape and form in such preliminary studies as this. Here at the studio, we get many letters from art students and from people who are just interested in art. Some of these letters ask questions that deserve a more detailed answer than could be given in a written reply. And so from time to time, we're going to devote an entire program to answering a few of these questions. In our feature production of Bambi, the characters were developed by drawing from life. Our artists made thousands of action sketches, catching every pose and characteristic attitude. In the production of Lady and the Tramp, this technique of humanized animal characters reaches a point of near perfection. We first tried this approach to humanized animal animation in one of our early silly symphonies. For this project, we brought some kittens into the studio and let them play and roll about as they pleased, while the artists made sketches and collected ideas for the kitten story. The result of this experiment was the Academy Award winner of the year 1935, The Three Orphan Kittens. How good is that, that they did thousands of sketches to work out the movement of the characters. They actually broke it down into small things that they can scale. It sounds like a modern day startup, Mark. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? I mean, what I find so fascinating, you know, genuinely hearing from the man himself there, the characterization of personifications of animals are such a... Um, stamp within the Disney films that sometimes we kind of take it for granted when final products are given to us and we just think, oh yeah, well, that's the way it's always been. It's always quite interesting to hear the creator themselves breaking it down and demonstrating how they actually got there in the first place. And, you know, it does, it's, it's maybe trial and error, perfecting it over time. And the thing that stood out for me was making those scale models mm. and essentially prototyping 
prior mm. to then going out and building that final product, whatever it may be, it's a film or a theme park or a product like you and I, or maybe our listeners would go and build. Isn't it fascinating when you fast forward from Walt Disney's time to now, that mm. fundamental idea like this still, we still use. Yeah. And you know, the, the fascinating build that I want to give you is the pattern that you and I have discovered. And, um, it reminds me of the, um, story that James, uh, Dyson, uh, founder, CEO, and actually Sir James Dyson now of, uh, Dyson, very famous, uh, vacuum cleaners, um, famous, uh, hair, Basically, anything that has air movement, he kind of has <laughs> nailed it. But check this out, Mark. So it's got nothing to do with animation. And yet his story was he was in the back shed at home and he made 5,127 different prototypes before he got his first product right. And isn't that crazy that Dyson and Disney have that, sh- that, that shared legacy, that same practice of test and learn prototype, make them, uh, make your product in a sort of small MVP or a prototype in order to get it right. And so it sort of dispels for me that these uh, famed inventors or creators are walking down the street and are struck by lightning and poof, there it Mm. is. Actually, Mm -hmm. it's the resilience to keep building the prototypes. It's learning Every time you make a new prototype, you learn something new and slowly, consecutively, religiously over time, you actually make the breakthrough through hard work. And I think that is such a big lesson. The fact that we can see that in the creating of a Disney character or a Dyson hairdryer, the lesson is the same. Isn't that crazy? Exactly. It's, there's an accessibility almost to it where, and, and actually I find it quite reassuring even. They don't just happen overnight. Dyson didn't just enter his shed and come up with, you know, all of his various inventions straight away. It takes time. And I think what also stands out to me is we were hearing from Walt Disney there, as well as your build with, with Dyson, is that things that your first creation, your first version perhaps of an idea or a product or a book may not necessarily be perfect. And that's okay. It's almost giving permission to the creator or the thinker that your first solution, you know, customers may not flock towards it. It might not work, Mm. but actually through time, give yourself patience, give yourself the opportunity to listen, to learn from the, the, maybe the trial and error perhaps it then gets better over time. And I find that very, very reassuring because I think a lot of us try and rush a product out and think it's going to be an overnight success because we love it. But the truth is- And then you get very dejected when the first one is not very good or the second one is falls short of customer expectation. It can be disheartening. You can be considering throwing it all in. But what do we see here, whether it's Disney or Dyson, it's the capacity to- Scale, create little scale models to experiment, to prototype, and uh, to go out into the back shed for not just days and weeks and months, but years to mm. get it right. And to think that Disney was fired from the newspaper for a yeah. lack of imagination, no good ideas. But did he stop, Mark? Oh, no. Thankfully, no, not. Didn't. 
<laughs> and I tell you who else is unstoppable, Mark. I got to say, our members, they are pretty unstoppable too, aren't they? They certainly are, particularly those with the uh, outrageous, energetic, dynamic usernames. So Mike, as is customary, <laughs> I'm going to introduce and give a roll call to all of our members and supporters of the Moonshot Show. Dan, 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 dan. Please welcome Bob, Niles, John, Terry, Niall, Marjolin, Ken, Dietmar, Tom, Mark, Marjan, Connor, Rodrigo, Yasmin, Daniela, Lisa, Sid, Mr. Bonjour, Maria, Paul, Berg, and Kalman, Annette, David, Joe, Crystal, Evo, Christian, and Hurricane Brain. Definitely the most dynamic there, uh, dynamic name there at the end, Mike. Hurricane Brain. It is wonderful and I hope we're whipping everyone up in a hurricane of creativity because uh, our members, you certainly deserve it. We are so grateful for your support. It helps us pay for all of those bills that we get every single month to produce this show for you and we love it. We love learning out loud together. We love the search of finding the best version of ourselves together and your support helps us do it. So we are extremely grateful. And if you, our listeners, if you'd like to be a member, head over to moonshots.io and there there'll be a big button up in the top of the nav saying become a member. And if you do so, you'll be able to contribute. You'll be able to share your thoughts and your ideas. But Mark, when you're a member, you also get access to a completely unique second podcast that we make. Isn't that pretty cool? You certainly can. For members and subscribers, you get access to the master series. And Mike, this is keeping you and I and the Moonshots team pretty busy. It's certainly, let's say, a, 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 an additional comprehensive deep dive into some of the key areas, topics, ways of thinking, frameworks that we're finding out within the Moonshots weekly show, isn't it? I mean, topics such as second order thinking, finding your purpose, entrepreneurship, art of communication, circle of influence, habits, all these amazing topics. It gives uh, you and I and the Moonshots team, as well as our members and subscribers, an opportunity to have a deep dives into these unique individual topics every single month, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think we're going to be launching uh, another one live for members only on managing people, which is a real masterclass, 90 minutes deep dive into all the best moonshot thinking about how to work together and get the most out of the people that you work with. So check all of that out at moonshots.io where you can become a member and get access to all of those goodies. But I tell you what else, we've got goodies just jam-packed into today's show. We've uh, just heard from Walt Disney himself. What we're going to do now is we're going to listen to Tom Craven, who worked at Disney for 41 years, and he's going to tell the story of inspiration and creativity and how they made the magic at uh, Walt Disney. And he's going to talk about a project, um, the very famous project uh, from Disney called the Water Pageant. And through that, we're going to have so much to learn. So let's have a listen now to Tom Craven. Well, what is magic? Well, there's lots of definitions of it. But what I want to focus on is what it takes to make magic. I boiled that down into these three elements, inspiration, creativity, and faith. I guess you could call it my magic formula. 
Among other projects, I was assigned to build and operate the electrical water pageant. Now, the electrical water pageant is basically a parade of floats on water, and it was something that had never been done before. It was to be a one-night event only. It was to take place on the Seven Seas Lagoon, and it was to be for this big luau of specially invited guests that would be held on the beach of the Polynesian Hotel. Well, the leech barge is about 70 feet long, and that meant that the entire parade or the, uh, the water pageant was about 1,000 feet long. And so we divided this into two strings of seven barges each. We also uh, put two outboard motors on the lead barge of each string, and that was what was used to propel the water pageant across the lakes and the lagoons of Walt Disney World. Sound easy? Sure. Not really. You see, whenever that lead barge slowed down or stopped, all the other barges jackknifed into each other. And instead of having a floating parade, we had this floating mess. And so we were running out of time, which we always do. And so we contacted these watercraft experts, and they all told us exactly the same thing. They said, what you're trying to do is impossible because a, a float or a, a string of floats on water are not going to act like a string of trailers on land. They're always going to run into each other. Well, we already knew that. It took us a, a while to get this kind of going, and what we were uh, trying to do was figure out how we could make this work. And what we didn't know is that what we needed was inspiration. And so there we were out on the Seven Seas Lagoon one night with less than three days to go, and we were, had the whole team there. We were gathered around our floating mess. We were trying to figure out what we were going to do. How were we going to make this work? And this voice spoke up. It was one of the drivers of one of the strings. He was a high school kid. Uh, he'd been hired part-time by Disney to drive it. And he had a, a little bit of experience with watercraft. He had no experience in physics, no experience in engineering, and he wasn't even a part of our team. But he had this idea. His idea was that if we put another outboard motor on the very last barge and faced it in the opposite direction, we could keep the string taut and keep them from running into each other. Whew, it worked. It was a simple, elegant idea, and it worked. And I thought, I should have thought of that. My team should have thought of that. All those experts should have thought of that, but they didn't. And so we were left with this high school kid saving the day. And what I learned from that was this, that inspiration can come from anywhere. And you really need to spread your net far and wide, much wider than your own circle, uh, because that's where you're going to find inspiration. And now here it is, um, 44 years later, and the electrical water pageant is the only thing that has survived from the grand opening, and it's been performing every night since, all because 
of the inspiration of this high school kid. Mike, I mean, I love that story, you know, just to retrace, uh, because it was a nice long story from Tom Craven. It was meant to be a one night only. I know. Event. I know. And now it's been going for more than 40 years and it takes place every single night. And it's the longest surviving uh, experience within the park. I mean, just from that, isn't it a fascinating little story that proves the hard work and effort that can go into creating or producing an idea, putting it into action and the effect it can have over the years. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah, it really is. It's a great little insight into this idea that creativity truly can come from anyone, anywhere. And, you know, as as I was listening to this, it was a sort of a challenge, I think, is are we are we open to where creativity can come from? Are we listening to the signals or are we sort of all fired up and just trying to solve everything ourselves or are we kind of more present and aware of what's around us and taking in those signals? Sometimes I think we're we're perhaps running too fast uh, to hear, to hear those signals. What do you think? Yeah, I, I do actually totally agree. I think there's been certainly in my career a tendency perhaps to lean or look towards the person or the persons with the most experience. So the people who are in in the case of uh, in the case of Tom Craven, he was probably looking with his team at the um, water experts, the people right. who were in physics, the the electricians, right. the people who were building these products. And in my career, I'd probably look more towards the people who have more years experience, maybe uh, experience handling different clients or different levels of work. And actually the case in point that Tom Craven's telling us, which by extension is the strategy within Disney, is that that inspiration can come from anywhere. And all it takes is just the team's ability to be open and interested yeah. in the points of view from your your other colleagues. You know, if yeah. you create an environment that is receptive to the ideas and points of view of, of those around you, it's very, very likely that you might discover a brand new way of doing something that, that perhaps is much better than what you currently have. Yeah. And I think, I think, um, a lot of people who are leading projects or companies feel that the burden is squarely and almost exclusively on their shoulders to have all the answers. And I think what we're starting to learn here, Mark, is that the answers can come from anywhere, can't they? Yeah, exactly. Rather than trying to put yourself in a position as a, as a leader, let's say, and thinking, okay, well, I have to get this right. Everybody's relying on me. Yeah, that, that might be true. But the truth is by opening yourself up, as we're hearing from Tom Craven there, and even the Walt Disney clip at the very beginning, opening yourself up to feedback, uh, to ideas from maybe your team, as well as consumers or the public or the viewers or the listeners in, in our case on the Moonshot Show, totally. by opening yourself up and hearing the points of view of the feedback of, of those around you, those ideas can, can become a, a, lot, a lot better. And I really like this as we embark on this brand new series on creativity. Again, it feels reassuring because you don't then as a leader perhaps have all of the weight on your shoulder. Instead, it can be shared and your ideas or maybe style of management or your ideas on creativity can be improved 
just by a good old fashioned use of teamwork. Yeah. Well, let's, let's dig into that. How, how could we in our day-to-day work encourage more ideas from uh, different members of our team? That I think is a really important question. Mm. I think one of the things is, uh, you know, apart from inviting uh, people to contribute ideas, I think uh, scheduling time where you are actively inviting people to actually contribute is really important, particularly at the start, because if it's not like a muscle that you're used to flexing, uh, people might not know how to do it. So I think you want to kind of build a moment where people are brought together and like, right, ideas, who's got them? So I think scheduling them is like super, super critical. Um, what else would you do if you want to build a habit of getting ideas from all parts of the organization. What else do you think we can do, Mark, to encourage that? Yeah, I, I think just to build on on your recommendation there of scheduling time to experiment, you're right. I don't think everybody has necessarily got experience in actually coming up with or sharing ideas. And I think what I would um, try to foster is creating an environment where all ideas are welcome. So focusing on building an environment, whether it's via Teams or Zoom, Zoom calls or face-to-face, having a, a working environment where everybody's ideas, whether it's important for a project or just the way of running the business, are open and everybody can have a point of view mm. so that everybody feels ownership in the product. Maybe it's one product, maybe it's the, the flow of the business. That feels quite a, a key area to, yeah. to focus into because then it instills trust and coming up with an idea, sharing it with your teammates and your leaders then becomes a little bit easier because you have that confidence to go out and do it. Yeah, but you you know, it's interesting you point out confidence and trust and I do think that those are huge parts of people wanting mm. to contribute or not wanting to contribute as it may be. And so I think our job is to not only invite people to contribute, but I think like the rule of just never criticizing a contribution, always Mm -hmm. building on top of it, I think is really important because if, if I was reluctant to share my ideas and I saw somebody contribute and get shot down or criticized or someone Mm. says that'll never work, then there's very little incentive for me to contribute. So I think if you feel like it's safe to contribute and that there's no sharp stick at the end of the contribution, I think that sort of positive reinforcement and, you know, I think another thing that would would help that is to have cross-functional teams. I think that's where you get the real energy when you've got people from different backgrounds, different perspectives coming together. I think that's one way to get some really fun ideas, some, some sort of different thinking. Like if you have everyone from one team trying to solve a particular type of problem, you're probably going to get a little bit of group think, but if you bring Mm. people in from different uh, disciplines, different teams, I think you can create some, some good energy there. So what a great learning mark that, that creativity can come from anywhere. And before that we heard Walt himself talking about prototyping and experimentation, huge themes that we love here on the Moonshots podcast. I mean, we're already hitting some big Moonshots uh, home <laughs> runs, aren't we, Mark? Yeah, in both clips, we're, we're learning from the speakers around bringing something that previously had felt impossible to do, impossible to create 
a pageant a thousand feet long stay in one line, <laughs> as well as uh, create uh, animals with humanized behavior in animations or scale models of, of um, deers and cats and so on. Ideas that perhaps seemed impossible at the beginning are now becoming real just through a good old fashioned use of teamwork open environments, as well as trial and error and prototyping. I mean, you're right, Mike, these are spot on with lessons that we're still learning on the Moonshot show, even though Walt Disney was around, you know, many, many decades ago. I know, I know. And I tell you, the, the creativity is, is flowing not only with, with Disney, but Mark, when we get a few reviews of the show, um, some thumbs up, some ratings, whether you're in Spotify, or Apple Podcast, or one of the millions of other podcast players of your choice, we love it when people uh, give us a rating and if they can, to give us a review. It is so important uh, for us to spread the word, to give others the opportunity to learn out loud together with us. We've yeah. had some great one from... Uh, Sarah in Germany, from Caleb in the US of recent. Uh, Mark, it is crucial for us. This is, you know, all those uh, little algorithms that are running on our show, when they see people giving us five stars or leaving a review, that helps more people discover the show. It's critical for us, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's absolutely essential. The uh, in place of maybe sharing it via um, you know social medias and so on, the thing that really really helps get the Moonshot Show into the ears of listeners around the world, and therefore keep the Moonshots train uh, running, is by giving us a rating or a review. You can give us a review in places like Apple Podcasts, give us a rating in places like Spotify. Everything helps the algorithm behind the scenes work at getting the Moonshot Show out into the palms of listeners around the world. And fundamentally, Mike, you and I, the Moonshots team, all we're trying to do is provide a good way of learning out loud into the ears of our listeners. We're finding all these different frameworks, templates, strategies with regards to creativity or entrepreneurship or leadership. And all we're trying to do is learn what habits techniques, skills that you and I can learn from and share them with our listeners. And by giving us a rating or review, you're helping us get the Moonshot Show out into the ears of people around the world and just helping all of us learn that little bit more. I agree. And I think a great place to jump off now is into the application of these habits and these practices of creativity. And the great news is that there's actually a formal sort of model, an approach that uh, Walt Disney used for creativity. And um, he kind of adopts these three different characters. And so we've got a breakdown now from Andy from IGD Learning. He's going to break down these three characters of creativity from Walt Disney himself. The first one is the dreamer. Now, the dreamer is all about the creative ideas and the passion. What's the big picture stuff? Now, this is really letting your imagination run wild without any restrictions or any criticism. Yeah, you are really outputting creativity. But what do I mean by how do you do this? Well, get flip charts, write ideas down. What's the big picture? If you solve this problem right now, what would it be achieving? If you achieve that outcome, what would it be doing for you, for the organization, 
for your wider range, for the customers, for whoever's involved, whoever the stakeholders are, what will this be doing for them? Get really big, go really out there. Uh, and what you're trying to do is output all of this dream big vision stuff for yourself. So what do you want? What's the big picture? What if it worked? And what if it really succeeded? What if we sold loads of this stuff to really allow the dreamer to get big? Now, what do we do if the vision goes really well? How can we imagine the solution? What's the benefit of applying? Now, you will have a chance to get critical about it and to get it into action plans later. So dream, dream really, really big. Cover flip charts, walls, post-it notes. Get all the ideas out. Because once you've done that, and you've taken a breath, and you've moved either yourself or your team into a next spot, you go into the realist zone. Again, the realist is about switching the thinking into a more logical planning style. And so you narrow down then the dreamer's ideas into a shortlist. Yeah, you then start to discuss that idea constructively. Now, typically, what you do is you take the one best idea, one best idea the dreamer's come up with, yeah, that your imagination, your creativity has created. During this stage, you then get the next set of steps coming through an action plan starting to evolve. And so you go, right, how can I apply this idea into reality? What's the action plan to apply it? What's the timeline do I need? How do I evaluate that this has been a success? You start getting that dream, you start getting into manageable action plan chunks. We're not going down into the individual actions of individuals yet. We're going into the key component stages to make this dream a reality. And then the critic or the spoiler. So you go, right, here's a dream, and here's the bit that the realizers are trying to make into an action, the planners. Now, if I was being really critical about this idea, so applying some critical thinking to it, what might be the barriers to prime that idea? And how can I overcome those barriers? And in this session, what you're doing is trying to look to constructively critique it. You're trying to find the weak points. You're trying to you know, really get in there and find out the things that might go wrong, having heard the action plan and what the dreamer wants. So what could be wrong with the idea? What's missing? What are the risks? What are the dangers? How can we not apply it? What happens if we don't do anything? And what are the weaknesses? And so really now what your critical is, critic is trying to do is trying to start to break it. And then what we would do, typically within sessions, is you cycle through the process. So the critic takes all of that stuff and the realist starts to do some things and we go back to the dreamer, as the dreamer think about that, and we end up with an action plan. Wow, Mike, talk about an actionable framework. I mean, just for you and I, our listeners, this was a creative strategy that was identified by uh, Robert Dilts who is a neuro-linguistic programmer back in 1994. And he identified those three areas that we just heard Andy break down, the dreamer, the realist, and the critic, as real personalities, or let's call them hats, that Walt Disney would employ as he came to work each day. Sometimes he'd turn up as the dreamer. He'd allow all the ideas to be totally free-flowing and fun. Other times he'd come in a little bit more of a realist hat on. Sometimes he'd turn up and he'd be the critic, putting all the ideas through the uh, the rigor of, of um, focusing on all the barriers and so on. Mm. But isn't it interesting if we take a step back and we learn from Walt Disney, as Andy from IDG Learning was breaking down then, you can use this framework, this strategy to create actionable plans for any of your products or ways of thinking, even nowadays. Isn't it a great little framework and strategy that we can learn? 
It really is. It's it's sometimes referred to as the Walt Disney method or the Disney creative strategy, but it's essentially embodying these three different archetypes. And Mark, my reflection as we were listening from Andy from IGD was that often the reason that uh, product or business ideas fail, I believe, is because the idea has only had one or two of those roles applied to it. So often, mm. like if you think about it, um, let's imagine you've got like a like a, a product idea and uh, you've really dreamt really big. Um, often what will uh, be the challenge is that the, the realist, which is all about how are we going to do this, what actions is it going to take, hasn't probably uh, analyze the idea or perhaps um, we haven't really challenged why we're doing it. What's the value it's creating? Do people really want it? So, I mean, if you play this out a bit, you could have dreamt a crazy big idea. You might be able to pull it off, but nobody kind of asked the question, well, why are we doing this? Is there a market? Is there a need? And so I actually think even if you're not in the world of animation like Disney, you can use something like this, this Walt Disney method, um, this creative strategy um, to better challenge your ideas because, frankly, I know I've made this mistake where I've been sort of a victim of wishful thinking where my idea has been undercooked, I would say, in one, maybe two of these areas. And I think it's such an interesting way to quickly make your ideas better. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, I, th- I think the thing that I take away from this, uh, the Disney creative strategy is how to compartmentalize each of those moments within the process in order to allow that brainstorming and that stress testing to really have good value. You know, for me, I've certainly, perhaps it's my monkey mind or just (laughs) being trying to get to the solution too quickly. I'll often blend the dreamer role with the realist and the critic, sometimes maybe even all three together. Mm. And the problem with doing that is every single idea will be blocked Mm. or perhaps no um, idea can be created because you're always focusing on the challenges before being able to come up with a potential solution. And what I, yeah. what I love about this process is to almost wear one at the beginning, blue sky thinking, don't worry about restrictions yet, then get into the next place and think, okay, well now let's be a realist. Let's see how we could actually do this. Okay. Well now let's be the critic. And I quite like this uh, cyclical approach that you can also do going mm-hmm. back through the process more than once. And I think that's certainly where the value of stress testing the idea comes through. But I also love this idea of allowing each idea to um, come to the surface in a timely manner rather than shooting it down too quick, because then you kind of get it all out of your system. I quite like that. Yeah. And, and I think uh, the, the rigor and the capacity to challenge your own ideas like this, I think is super mm-hmm. important. I think it's, it's really fundamental in terms of a practice that you can take on to um, like just much better ideas. Like you could have some great inspiration. Um, you may have dreamt big, but, but, you know, go out there and, and, why not like play devil's advocate or uh, try and spoil the idea? Like 
that will only make it a better idea. And, and we've certainly heard on the show a lot, people that are prepared to challenge their own ideas and just go for the best outcome and they're not overly attached just because it was their idea, but are willing to like really put their ideas through some sort of boot camp, some sort of r- rigorous program to make them better. I think this is really the path to having much better ideas. And we're, if we're in a knowledge economy, so it's all about ideas, that's what's really going to set you apart. I think this is very, very exciting that for somebody who was, uh, you know, grew, grew up post World War One. We're still taking practices from them here in 2022, and it doesn't stop there, Mark. Because we can look at one of the more recent titles from Disney, Frozen. I know you're a fan, Mark. You can, it's okay. You can admit <laughs> it. And we can see Disney's creativity, his uh, method coming uh, about once again, and to analyze how they did it in the. Disney film Frozen, we've got none other than a Moonshot's favorite, Charles Duhigg, breaking it down on how Frozen was able to create creativity here in the modern age. Many companies face this basic question. How do you speed up innovation? How do you make the creative process faster? Within psychology, the people who know how to do this are known as innovation brokers. For companies like Disney, this is part of their DNA. This is what all their executives think about all the time. And one of the best examples of this is when they were making the film Frozen. Now, all of us know Frozen is this monster success, one of the highest grossing films of all time. But midway through making Frozen, it almost all fell apart. In fact, the team that was making Frozen, they didn't know how to end the film. They couldn't work together. They couldn't figure out how to make the creativity flow. And so what they did is they turned to an old principle. The best creative process often isn't about being original. It's about taking cliched ideas from two different realms and smashing them together. That's what happened for Frozen. They took these old fairy tale ideas. They took these new ideas about women being strong and about sisters saving each other instead of needing a prince to save them. They smashed them together. And the result was one of the most successful films of all time. Mike, I love that little story. And I mean, look, from a moonshotter himself, Mr. Charles Duhigg, what a perfect <laughs> inclusion into our show on Walt Disney, first of all. But I love this, this innovation broker approach. The fact that they couldn't necessarily figure out that end and instead started to blend and therefore create brand new uh, narratives from old cliches. I think that's really, again, good extension of what we heard in the first clip from Walt Disney at the beginning of the show, which is kind of prototyping and experimenting, you know, blending it together to see if it works, maybe doing some screen testing with the audience, or maybe just again, like we heard from Tom Craven, allowing each member of the team to come up with a different point of view and therefore just experiment, get in the lab. I think it's a really nice, again, demonstration of how a product that we all know, we all love with Frozen. And yes, you're probably right. I probably have been caught singing the songs of Frozen before. (laughs) Maybe not to our listeners, fortunately. But I think it's a great behind the scenes story there of a team that maybe struggled at one point, but then were able to overcome it 
maybe through trial and error and come up with a product that then went on to win Academy Awards and so And And again, what we're seeing here with someone like Disney is themes of prototyping, themes of creativity comes from anywhere, these different uh, hats to put more rigor on your ideas. And I just see in uh, the living pulse of Disney right now, they're taking that classic idea that we've seen in Moonshot so many times. Uh, You could almost say that there's no new ideas, just uh, old ideas remixed and remade for the modern age. This was certainly something we heard from Elizabeth Gilbert and many others. It's incredible to see how strong these patterns are in this sort of moonshots model where we see repeatedly the same techniques, the same approaches are used for innovation, creating new things, for growth, for bringing new value into the world, for having impact. This idea of taking old old ideas and remixing them and you get something new and it's a smash hit. I mean, I find that really inspiring on both of those levels. One, what they did with Frozen, but two, it's a pattern that we're seeing through many different innovators, through many different moonshotters, aren't we? Yeah, we really, really are. And, and again, it, it's fascinating that this behavior has existed almost time memorial, Mike. <laughs> right. Know, we, we seem to step into these different uh, individuals, entrepreneurs, superstars, authors every week, uh, probably every day for, for us. And it's fascinating when we do start to see these, these different blends coming through. It's fascinating when we do discover different um, approaches, just being extensions or maybe reinterpretations of, of certain contemporary um, approaches that we've, we've run into in the past. I think it's, it's fascinating and it's really where that value of the, of the Moonshot show comes through, isn't it? When we do run into these different ideas, much like with Elizabeth Gilbert and Big Magic, that idea that all ideas uh, perhaps have been uh, traced before, but you're the first person stepping into those shoes and you're the, it's the first time that you're doing it. Yes. I think there's so many different avenues to creativity as we're finding throughout all of our series and creativity that it's accessible to everyone. Yeah. And I think hopefully what we're starting to see here is prototyping, taking ideas from anywhere, wearing those, those hats, reconstituting old ideas, putting a new spin on them. These are all Uh, inspiration that we can take from Walt Disney. These are all things that we can do today. We just have Mm -hmm. to adopt the habits of creativity from, from Walt Disney himself, you know, and I, I think not many better teachers when it comes to creativity than Walt Disney, right, Mark? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he's certainly somebody that stands out when I'm thinking of creativity. I mean, I do love that story that he was, uh, you know, fired for not having a creative idea or an original idea. Yeah, his, no, good ideas. <laughs> no good ideas. No good ideas. And I mean, now look at it. He's, it's one of the most well-known, certainly a household brand across the world. Oh. And as you've already pointed out, they've extended beyond just films into theme parks, into television mm. and streaming. They've won multiple awards. It's, it's a fascinating brand, isn't it? That's just getting better and better with the years, arguably, all mm. coming from that original original startup approach of, of Walt Disney. Again, I, I think that's an interesting extension. When you do think of a brand as big as Disney, then you start to think of it as a startup back in the day of doing course. prototypes, 
doing experimentation. I mean, these are still methods that they do nowadays, of course, with their um, consumers. They'll do screenings. They'll test different approaches to um, bringing out films and testing those different endings, cliches, perhaps. Again, it's a startup mentality, isn't it? Yeah, and and holding on to these principles that you know bring the creativity, bring people together, um, and uh, in a sort of celebration of that, we've actually got one final clip, Mark, and it's um, pulling together some of the best clips, some of the best quotes from Walt Disney himself. And uh, look, we were unsure if there was enough inspiration yet. So we're just going to bring it home with uh, a clip now that is going to share with you some of Walt's thinking around creativity and imagination. So let's have a listen for the last time to the thinking of Walt Disney. If you can dream, you can do it. Always remember that this whole thing was started by a mouse. When you're curious, you find lots of interesting things to do. You can design and create and build the most wonderful place in the world, but it takes people to make the dream a reality. All the adversity I've had in my life, all my troubles and obstacles have strengthened me. You may not realize when it happens, but a kick in the teeth may be the best thing in the world for you. We keep moving forward, opening new doors, and doing new things, because we're curious, and curiosity keeps leading us down new paths. All our dreams can come true, if we have the courage to pursue them. It's kind of fun to do the impossible. Laughter is timeless. Imagination has no age. Dreams are forever. That's the real trouble with the world. Too many people grow up. Our greatest natural resource is the minds of our children. I don't like formal gardens. I like wild nature. It's just the wilderness instinct in me, I guess. The way to get started is to quit talking and begin doing. Why worry? If you've done the very best you can, then worrying won't make it any better. When you believe in a thing, believe in it all the way, implicitly and unquestionable. I'd say it's been my biggest problem all my life. It's money. It takes a lot of money to make these dreams come true. I have no use for people who throw their weight around as celebrities or for those who fawn over you just because you are famous. I dream. I test my dreams against my beliefs. I dare to take risks. And I execute my vision to make those dreams come true. Of all the things I've done, the most vital is coordinating those who work with me and aiming their efforts at a certain goal. Ideas come from curiosity.
Mike, what a nice little final clip for our Walt Disney show, as well as a great clip that's going to continue beyond show number 176 throughout the rest of our creativity series. A list of essentially mantras, um, mantras that Walt Disney's either written down, maybe he'd even share them with his colleagues. Obviously, we've heard about it now on the Moonshot show. I mean, I was scribbling away. I was highlighting some of the quotes Mm -hmm. that we we heard from there. There, There's so many great ones, aren't there? Which ones were standing out for you? I picked three. I love this uh, um, one. He says, all the adversity I've had in my life, all my troubles and obstacles have strengthened me. Um, Mm. I thought that was great. Um, Another one, Total Moonshots one. The way to get started is to quit talking and begin doing. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I love I that, that one. one. <laughs> that was a good one. And actually the third last one, I dream, I test my dreams against my beliefs. I dare to take risks and I execute my vision to make those dreams come true. Like, oh, that was big. Good, what about you? Any others you want to add to those? Yeah, I'd, I'd, add, I'd add just two others to those because you, you've already touched on a few of my favorites as well. I loved the very, very moonshots, almost stoic approach that we've heard about on the show before. Why worry as long as you know it's the best that you can do? I like that. That's, that's speaking to me with circle of influence um, as well as you know ownership and having a clear conscience if you're working as hard as you can, as well as I think one of those final ones, his greatest role was to help coordinate others towards a shared goal. Mm. As I think about the upcoming show that you and I and the Moonshots team are about to put up for our subscribers and members on the master series about managing people, uh, leadership, management, uh, coordinating uh, team members, that speaks very, very highly to me as a great role for those who are in place of, of managing people. Your role is to help guide others not necessarily be the loudest person in the room, but be there facilitate and guide. And I love that humility that you hear from Walt Disney's quotes there, where he's saying, look, I'm not here just to create all of the big ideas. I'm here to also help others, the team around me, get us towards that shared goal. I think that's Mm -hmm. a really nice, nice little uh, thought there. Some great yeah, mantras. <laughs> great mantras. And to think that, you know, we've been able to do a show on uh, Rob Iger, who was also the CEO at, at Disney, to think that we've had so, such a great chance to learn from one company so many times, all thanks to the efforts and the uh, the genius uh, and hard work and the resilience of Walt Disney himself. Oh. Um, it's a big show, Mark. Uh, we covered a lot. I mean, that last clip, uh, we just play could have been the show <laughs> in its entirety. We could have just riffed about that. Um, what stands out for you? What what changes for you now that we've done this show? I really like the practicality that comes with what's known as the Disney creative strategy, the dreamer, mm-hmm. the realist, the critic. I think that framework is a really actionable habit and way of com- uh, coordinating brainstorming as well as decision-making with any part of your team, whether it's an internal team or an external team. I think that's quite an interesting little framework and strategy that I'll be putting into practice in the future because 
it, it just helps get all of the fun ideas out, then allow, uh, allow a layer of realism as well as criti- criticism to come through later. What, what about you, Mike? What spoke to you loudest throughout our clips today on Walt Disney? I think I have to agree. I wasn't familiar with this model until we prepared the show. So um, totally into the dream of the realist and the critic. I think it's a fantastic model. I'm just going to be applying that now to all the ideas Mm. I hear over the next week. I'll be be kind of schizophrenic. I'll be dreaming (laughs) realist and the critic. It'll, It'll send everyone into a spin, but all Good. Well, Mark, listen, thank you to you for joining me on this journey. And thank you to you, our listeners, who are learning out loud and being the best version of yourselves. And today we got a mega dose of that on show 176 with Walt Disney. And it all started with understanding that uh, ideas begin small, scale it up, experiment, build the prototype. That was the fundamental learning we started with from Disney himself. Then we went to the lifer of Disney, Tom Craven, who told us that magic takes inspiration, creativity, and faith. And if you really want to start getting strategic, it's that classic Disney creative strategy, the Disney method, some call it, the dreamer, the realist, and the critic. And we see that it's all about bringing creativity from all four corners of the organization, even sometimes combining the new with the old. And it all came together for us as we took inspiration from the man himself from Disney, who told us that there was so much in the world to dream big, to move forward through adversity. Sometimes adversity is just what we need and that we need to do it together with others because it's a team sport. And that's what we believe here at the Moonshots podcast, that being the best version of yourself is a team sport. And the way we do it is we learn out loud together. That's it for the Moonshot Podcast. That's a wrap.